Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Welcome to episode 178, Reflections and Observations with me, Amy Rowlandson. This episode is my opportunity to reflect and observe moments from the last five conversations I've had and share my thoughts and feelings with you from what the guests have shared across the last five episodes. And it's also an opportunity to bring together some of the comments that members of the Focus on Why podcast audience have shared with me across social media. So the episodes I'm covering today are episode 173, Fire in the Belly with Pete Lonton, or Mighty Pete, as he likes to be known. Episode 174, Spring into Leadership with Demetria Hill Sloan. 175, In the Line of Duty with Peter Edge. 176, Beat to the Overwhelm with Danny Wade. And 177, Create an Impact with Victoria Winterford. Before I start today's reflections and observations, I just want to give a shout out to Kerry Cowan, who left me a fantastic LinkedIn testimonial recently. Amy has that rare skill of being a presenter who knows how to listen and give her guests space to explore their own thoughts, as opposed to corralling them into the answers she wants to hear, as so many do. There's a natural flow which provides fly-on-the-wall insight into the minds of guests. And at the end of the day, that's what we want from our guests. A little drop of their secret source, which is their gift to the listener. Now, this was such a wonderful message to receive. Sure, I see people are downloading the episodes. However, it is so special to read these messages that I receive across social media. It really spurs me on to know that what I do is valued and appreciated. So a very warm thank you to Kerry for taking the time out to share your feedback with me. So first up today is episode 173, Fire in the Belly with Mighty Pete. Now, four years ago, at the lowest point of his life, Pete Launton made a decision to do something different and be the mightiest version possible. He became Mighty Pete and he chose to be do and have more in his life. His background is in project management and property. However, his true passion is the Fire in the Belly podcast and project with a mission to help others to find their potential and become the mightiest version of themselves. Pete said, we are creatures of habit. Okay and average are deadly words. Deadly because if it is average or okay, you'll keep doing it. It's only when it becomes bad or not good enough or no longer acceptable, that's when you will change. It's true. Many guests who have shared why they do what they do has been a result of pivotal moments or points of extremism in one way or another to instigate a change or an action or choice is often forced in some respects. And this is what happened with Pete. 
In 2017, at 37 and a half years of age, precisely, Pete's life course changed in a moment, and he is now on a journey of learning, growing, accepting, and inspiring others. Pete has the ability to connect with people and intuitively ask questions to reveal a person's passion and discover how to live their mightiest life. Interesting that Mighty Pete spoke of burning the candle at both ends and in the middle. But to what end? How did that serve him? Well, it didn't. In fact, this way of living never serves anyone. It's a surefire way to burn out, not to serve the fire in the belly. Certainly not the route to become the mightiest version of you. Lack of sleep is so detrimental to life. Did you sleep well last night? This is often the conversation you have with someone in the morning, especially when you've had guests staying over. And I ask you this question because sleep matters. It's not a throwaway conversation starter. I'm asking you from a position of deep concern for your well-being. Are you getting enough sleep? It's another serious question with potentially serious consequences. Eight hours, one third of your day is the World Health Organization's recommendation for the necessary amount of sleep. And yet, this advice is often being ignored, with many people claiming that they can function on much less or that they will catch up on lost sleep later. It's a complete myth that you can catch up on lost sleep. It doesn't work like that. According to English scientist, author and professor of neuroscience and psychology at the University of California, Berkeley, Matthew Walker, the number of people that appear to be able to survive on six hours of sleep or less without showing any objective impairment to their mind or body, rounded to a whole number and expressed as a percent of the population is, drumroll, zero. Now that's a shocking statement to comprehend. Walker cites that in developed nations, every disease that is killing us has causal and significant links to a lack of sleep. Lack of sleep in life has now been linked to low concentration levels, mood changes, lower levels of testosterone in men, memory and immune system problems, a shortened lifespan and dementia. Just look at Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher and President Ronald Reagan, who were famously well known for apparently being able to function on as little as four hours of sleep, who yet both succumbed to Alzheimer's. Human beings are the only species that deliberately deprive themselves of sleep for no apparent gain. Matthew Walker says, many people walk through their lives in an underslept state, not realising it. During the fifth week of the neuroscience professional development program I've been on recently, psychologist and neuroscience Dr. Linda Shaw focused on brain health. Sleep is fundamental because if you don't get enough sleep, all the other elements that contribute towards brain health, such as nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, purpose, fun and water will barely matter. As with most things in life, it's not the quantity it's the quality that counts, and this maxim applies to sleep. So what are the benefits of sleep? For the brain, it is essential for consolidation of learning, development, and memories. Sleep facilitates flushing out of toxins accumulated during the day. Sleep helps regulate your body weight, enhances your athletic performance, it improves your productivity, your memory, concentration levels, and it improves your immune system, 
therefore reducing the risk of illness. Sleep is vital, yet do you make sleep a priority in your life? There's no point burning the candle at both ends because all that will happen is you will burn yourself out. Life is short enough, so please don't make it any shorter. Staying awake longer each day is detrimental to living a longer life. Sleep for one third, keep moving for two thirds, live longer and focus on sleep. We are such stuff as dreams are made on and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Shakespeare. Start sleeping more and notice the impact it has on your health, your productivity, your brain and your body. Matthew Walker says, the shorter you sleep, the shorter your life. So back to Mighty Pete. He lives by a mantra that for 1% of the day, he will try something different. Now that's just 14.4 minutes. Surely you have 14.4 minutes in your day to try this too. Mighty Pete also challenges you to think, are you proud of who you are? If you could stand by everything you say and do. And I'm going to go across to LinkedIn because one of my listeners, Sam Elliott Smith, shared her reflection after listening into this episode. And she said she really enjoyed listening. It was thought provoking throughout, challenging whether our voids are our values and whether parenting is more about what our children are teaching us. That it was well worth a listen for anyone unsure that they're on the right path in life. Thank you for that feedback, Sam. Now, Pete spoke about how your voids are your values, and this is something that I believe in and often cite Dr. John Demartini as he speaks of this in his book, The Values Factor. Your values arise from and are therefore determined by your conscious or unconscious voids. What you perceive as most missing void in your life, therefore, becomes what you perceive as most important value. Your underlying private voids drive your overlying public values. Your fulfillment means the filling of your perceptually empty voids. The hierarchy of your voids determines the hierarchy of your values. The hierarchy of your values determine how you perceive what you selectively attend to and how you act what you selectively intend upon in your world. And therefore, they determine your immediate destiny. Since your values change over time, your destiny therefore changes over time. Now, Mighty Pete found himself again when he caught up with his values and the reaction he felt when there was a collective audible groan in the tube platform when hearing that the train would be delayed because someone had thrown themselves in front of that train. He said that was it. He knew his life had to change in that single moment. I'm out. He'd taken the time to listen. And as he said, when you take the time to listen, phenomenal things happen. It's true. People don't realize the language they're using. Just reflect on what had happened with a groan. A groan of inconvenience, not a gasp of empathy. It's time to hold up a mirror to yourself and see any misalignment. What's always on your to-do list is clearly not your passion. It's time to focus on what really matters. Time to reassess what will give you that fire in the belly. And Peter spoke about how he had learned so much more from spending quality time with his young children, how their expectations of life and their imaginations are on fire. And sitting down with them, he noticed how much they were teaching him, not necessarily the other way around.
So take time to listen. It's amazing what you hear, what you see. I'll leave it by holding up a mirror to you. What is possible? What if? Next up is episode 174, Spring into Leadership with Demetria Hill Sloan. Firstly, thank you so much to Tanya Stell for her kind introduction to Demetria. Often after these recording these episodes, one of my guests will say, that was so much fun, you must have. And they list so many people who they recommend to come on the show. And before I know it, I have a glowing email popping up in my inbox. And this is what happened with Tanya and Demetria. Are you ready to spring into leadership? Are you ready to embrace the struggle? Are you ready to master life? With the belief that as long as you have breath, you can start anew, Demetria is effecting change from so many different vantage points by taking the time to pause, breathe and reflect in her life and then taking necessary leadership action. Reflecting on conversations and connections after the fifth annual conference for women of colour that Demetria just held called Spring into Leadership formed the basis of our conversation, along with her proposals for training and development with diversity, equity and inclusion at the heart. Demetria said that if you master life, you master leadership to be effective holistically. She said it's all about your vantage point. Is it a struggle? Or is it that of your learning experience? Is it making you stronger? Is it building you better? The one element I want to focus on from Demetria's episode is the focus on life-work myth. She said instead it's life's work. And I'd have to agree the whole life-work balance is not really achievable. Perhaps you could see it instead as life-work integration or life-work harmony. I see it as life-work fulfillment. Enjoying what you do in all areas of life, knowing that it's not necessary or perhaps possible to have it all at all times. But priority and compromise play their part in this. It's about focusing on what matters and appreciating that it is all life's work and life's work is being meaningful. Going back to Mighty Pete for a moment, it's that quality of time that matters. Demetria spoke of a, a quote from Joel A. Barker. And it says, vision without action is merely a dream. An action without vision just passes a time, but action with vision can change the world. And so you have to be able to take action, meaningful action. Now, I hadn't heard of Joel Arthur Barker before, and so I checked him out. I even sent him a LinkedIn request, which he accepted. So watch this space. He may even be a future guest on the show. And Joel is a futurist, an author, a lecturer and filmmaker. And he was the first person to popularise a concept of paradigm shifts in the corporate world. He began his work back in 1975 after spending a year on fellowship meeting and working with visionary thinkers in both North America and Europe. He discovered that the concept of paradigms, which at that time was sequestered within the scientific discussion, could explain the revolutionary change in all areas of human endeavour. And by 1985, he'd built the case and corporations and nations were seeking his advice. In 1980, in addition to his work on paradigms, he'd begun to focus on a second crucial component for organisations and individuals, the importance of vision. If you don't take the time to think about the long-term implications, you'll be seduced by the short term. 
another insight from futurist Joel. Joel says that people shoot down good ideas because they assume that the future is merely an extension of the past. Many things that we accept today once met substantial resistance from thoughtful people. People resist change when they operate within old paradigms. And these paradigms establish boundaries and provide the rules for success. People tend to filter out information that doesn't fit the paradigm. And Joel calls this paradigm effect. This can block creative solutions to problems and the ability to see the future. With authenticity, vulnerability and focus on affecting change through women's initiatives and organisations, Demetria is securing a bright future full of hope. To grow, you need to reflect. To change the course of trajectory, you need to acknowledge the struggles and focus forward with clearer eyes. For Demetria, it's a matter of perspective and it's from her vantage point that she pushes limits to get stronger. She embraces the struggle, takes the time to pause, breathe, reflect and finds a purpose in the pain. And this purpose and pain duality takes me straight into episode 175 in the line of duty with Peter Edge. What a story Peter shared. Real line of duty stuff. In fact, it's certainly caused many ripple effects already. Reading the comments people have shared after tuning in has been emotional for both Peter, for me and for the audience. This is what I said to Peter. Judging from the messages you've been receiving over the last few days, I think it is time to share the learnings from these experiences. Huge value is to be shared with others. Peter hadn't really shared this story before, but seeing what people had responded, it is time for him to share it more. Kay Reeve said, this is exactly the type of conversation I refer to so often, and I get it 100%. Yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel, then the next tunnel and so on. Why is so important, but next is how. My issues was that no one tells us how to get through that tunnel. That was the bit I had to figure out to help my son learn how to manage his own emotions through that journey. Glad you found your light at the end. Another person commented, this is Jenny Kitchen. She said, I heard the catch in your voice in the word overwhelmed and praise the part of you sharing this for the betterment of all. That fetal stance is still being experienced now as we speak by so many. And I hope some get to hear the magic captured within this and recognize the helping hand extended out to them right now. To which Peter replied, great listening skills, Jenny. I'm surprised it can still get to me after 20 years. That's an indicator of how deep the damage something like this can do. To which Jenny responded, well, it's a wonderful example of how we can utilize our own experience to give us the empathy and honest expectation, in brackets, true hope of helping others. It honors your past self to showcase your recovery. And I salute you, sir. I too salute you, Peter. And finally, Helen Williams shared, Phew, Peter, I've had the privilege of working with you so many times in the latter part of your policing career, then seeing your first after-dinner speech as you stepped out into your new life. Even though I know you fairly well, I didn't know the full extent of what happened. I laughed and cried listening to you talk. I can't imagine how much you have hurt. But you are an amazing 
kind, clever, resourceful, and very, very funny man, and have turned all that pain into something brilliant with your speaking and stand-up comedy. As I said, Peter hadn't shared this story so publicly before. It had been such a raw, open wound for so long. Pleasing for Peter was his vocation. Feeling a sense of responsibility and duty to help people, to protect people from those in society who take advantage of those who are vulnerable. And knowing that vulnerable people needed protecting and following his dream to serve in the police force, Peter spent decades standing up for all those who needed his protection. He'd worked in uniform, vice, drugs, CID, and he rose quickly through the ranks until his own line of duty experience brought his stellar police career to an abrupt halt. Finding himself at the heart of an anti-corruption investigation, he was suspended for two and a half years, and Peter fought back to rebuild his career and his reputation. One of my reflections is one of injustice. It really reminded me of an episode I recorded last year with Dr Louise Hewitt, Innocence Project London, lecturer of the School of Law, Louise Hewitt, Dr. Louise Hewitt, is also director of the Innocence Project London, which is a pro bono organisation where law and criminology students work alongside Louise and lawyers. They all give their time on a pro bono basis to investigate the cases of alleged wrongful convictions of people who have been convicted but who have exhausted the appeals process and are maintaining their innocence and are often those individuals are still in prison. By recording her podcast, Louise was seeking to create greater public awareness that wrongful convictions happen in the UK. And she asked the audience to question the system and be aware of how more often than not, we stand on a very fragile line on the right side of justice. She's committed with, along with her students' support to keep going until it is commonly accepted that there is an issue. Wrongful convictions are not in the public eye and people don't question what they read in the news. Louise is driving the change that is needed and implementing a new model, the innocence model, to make it fit within our system. It was, and still is, vitally important for me that I shared Louise's work with the audience. It needs to be made more publicly aware how we stand on that fragile line, on the right side of justice more often than not. And if that happens... You'd like to think that there was a mechanism in place where you'd be able to support your friends, your family members and be able to get out of that situation. Peter's exclamation of what do they think I am? Do they not know me? Took me straight back to Louise's episode. And while it wasn't a wrongful conviction, it was a wrongful accusation and one which took two and a half years to unravel and 10 years subsequently for Peter to rebuild his career. Peter's sense of total shock and lack of faith and lack of support from all his supposed allies he'd been surrounded with was heartbreaking to hear. I can't begin to imagine what it was like for Peter to not have been believed by an environment that he'd loved for decades and worse still, to be believed to be someone that you're not. It's our worst nightmare to be outcast sense of belonging, the feeling of acceptance and support from your community, it's an inherent human emotional need. And without it, you suffer. Your health suffers. Peter's vulnerability in telling the story may have caught many off guard. As he was well known as a humorous after-dinner speaker and stand-up comedian, and many people have been shocked to hear 
about Peter sharing these darker moments. But that's what happens on this podcast. People share their why, and often there are struggles that have occurred and pains which have been endured, which has led to purposeful living and brings me full circle back to where I started with this reflection. Thank you, Peter, for sharing your real line of duty story. I hope in the sharing of your resilience and response to the situation, you will be supporting others going through dark times. Next up is episode 176, Beat the Overwhelm with Danny Wade. Danny talks of burnout, the fog she found herself in, not being able to make any decisions or function properly, feeling like a zombie. She'd never experienced this before, and she said it took her a while to admit to herself and to others. And even then, when she did share how she was feeling, others were in complete disbelief or denial about her state. And here was someone capable of doing, being and having it all. It was only when Danny looked closer could she see all the warning signs had actually been there all the time. Not being able to sleep, reliant on taking sleeping pills to get to sleep, taking longer to make decisions, finding normal things exhausting, losing all mental energy, losing her mojo, having complete overwhelm and that can't be bothered attitude. And it was when Danny's husband said on her return from her immersive Tony Robbins personal development experience that it was like getting the old Danny back just showed how much those changes had crept up on her daily so that no one around her or even herself had noticed those microscopic changes until one day you realise that you're so far away from that healthy position. We spoke about how her burnout had really served her, giving her more grit and resilience, how she's beaten the overwhelm to understand what it is she really wants in life. What do you really want in life? What do you truly want? What don't you want? Ask yourself the question, what do you want? And then use the why five times technique to dig deeper each time. Learn to focus inwards. When you change the narrative and know you are in control of your life, you can beat the overwhelm. But be self-aware that overwhelm is there to teach you something also. Danny mentioned that if you're going to blame the past for all the negative things, then you better blame it for all the positive things too. In a, in a way, this reminded me of the poem If that Rudyard Kipling wrote about how to live a fulfilling life whilst knowing that there'll be challenges on the way. Danny spoke also of the power of three in her daily work with having no more than three things maximum on her to-do list. Why three? Well, Working with threes has been known to work successfully for millennia. Omne trium perfectum, Latin for everything that comes in three is perfect or every set of three is complete. There's often the rule of three in, in writing or speaking, which is deemed to be more memorable, impactful and satisfying to the audience. I've spoken before about Aristotle's art of rhetoric, pathos, logos and ethos and its effect back in Reflections episode 19. And it comes around to my final reflection today. I'm covering episode 177, Create an Impact with Victoria Winterford. Victoria reached out to me after a conversation we had earlier this year in a room on Clubhouse. She wanted to come on the podcast to share why she was doing what she was doing. She had been putting up protective barriers all her life and now realized that by taking them down 
and using her vulnerability, that would help to create impact and give others value, particularly the younger generation. She speaks of these layers of protection being like bubble wrap and how only now is she comfortable to reveal what's really going on underneath. She's simply creating awareness around normality, showing her as she is, every inch of being a normal person, being more real. And one of her biggest goals is becoming more settled in herself. How wonderful to have this inner wisdom about being kinder to herself and working on her passion, on her why, at such a young age. Victoria now has younger siblings and wants to be a role model for them, someone who they can really look up to. She focuses on self-worth and self-value and works on it every day. She referenced the Chimp Paradox book and I instantly recalled whilst we were talking the fridge door syndrome, just one of many curious elements from the book. Now, I first read The Chimp Paradox, the mind management program for confidence, success and happiness by Professor Steve Peters back in the summer of 2014 in preparation for going back to work after a long time raising children at home. In fact, I had to buy several new copies because I lent it out to people and I didn't get it back and I wanted to keep referencing it. So with the fridge door syndrome, it's the relationship that a child forms around success, effort and praise. Say, for example, they bring home a piece of artwork and you as the parents say, it's absolutely fantastic how clever you are. And you put it straight on the fridge so that everybody can see how amazing it is. Now, we've all done that. Well, I, I know I have. However, what happens if you respond from a different approach? When the child comes home, focus on hugging the child, saying how proud you are of them and that you want the world to know how proud you are of them. It's who they are that is being loved and respected and has nothing to do with what work they've brought home. And it means that they don't have to achieve something to receive this love and praise. And only after this exchange do you then look at their painting and talk around the painting. You compliment it and ask the child if they would like to put it on the fridge because it's pretty. It's then their choice. So it's all about the different relationship you're forming between the child's self-worth and their success, never implying that the child's worth is dependent on their work. It's important that they know that to be loved and respected, they don't have to achieve anything in order to get this, that you're not mixing it up with their own self-worth. In my parenting, I know it's been really important to praise effort, whatever level has subsequently been achieved. It's about the effort that they put in. And recently, I've been so conscious of this, that both my children have just done their A-levels and GCSEs over the last few months albeit it's been different to how it's been done in previous years because of the lockdown. So knowing about the fridge door phenomenon and how the pressure of exams is linked to anxiety and pressure about what people will think of them when the results come back, that fear of others knowing the result and weighing their self-worth on those results was something that my husband and I have been really conscious of. And we've been vo voicing again that praise and reward for the effort this reminds me, it links to Angela Duckworth's work of grit, which is highly worth reading. How powerful words of others can be on our own lives. Have you heard of Angela Duckworth? Allow me to tell you her story. As a young girl growing up, her father told Angela that she wasn't a genius. 
Determined to prove him wrong, she spent her youth smashing through every academic barrier. As an adult, Angela continued to smash through academic barriers, amassing many degrees, a BA in neurobiology at Harvard, an MSc in neuroscience at the University of Oxford, a PhD in psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. And wanting to find out if grit can be learned or cultivated, Angela focused her research on grit, a strength she defines as passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Ironically, that same person who was told she was not a genius ended up winning an award for being one. A secret committee made up of the top people in the field of psychology awarded Dr. Angela Duckworth the MacArthur Fellowship in 2013, often dubbed the Genius Grant. Attributing grit to be the common factor found among high achievers, Angela discovered that what we eventually accomplish may depend more on our passion and perseverance than on our innate talent or IQ. Daily perseverance and deliberate practice will lead to mastery. When you master the mundane, you master life. As Angela Duckworth proved, you may not be the smartest in the room, but strive to be the grittiest. Grit prevails. So go get yourself gritty. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.